0: All right, so with that, I'm going to move on to chapter 7, and we got the hundred and forty-four thousand. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree, then I saw another angel ascending from the rising sun and the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their forehead. So we'll, we'll go to the 144,000 in a minute. Now, I've got one more slide here. So here's a schematic of the earth. And this will also explain a lot of stuff. And the earth, they think that's how I said this, they think, has got an outer, outer crust, which is what you're standing on, it's about 75 kilometers thick, they think. And then you've got the inner core, the outer core, and what's called a mantle. And first off, it, it's a, you have a rotating conductive body, which is where you get your magnetic field. Okay, and that magnetic field is what diverts the solar winds around us, and all, you know all that kind of stuff. This thing is not a perfect sphere, and as it rotates, things shift. And the only way I can describe it is like the automatic transmission in your car. Your automatic transmission in your car has got is full of fluid. And it's got two uh, propellers, impellers, and so the one on the engine starts turning, and it slips, and the fluid between the two transmits the force to the driven one so this fluid allows the engine to, to start up smoothly without the car going <laughs> jerk, jerk, you know, like it does when a 14 year old girl first learns to do a stick shift, right? And so what keeps that from happening is the fluid. So you've got part of this thing is fluid so as you you're getting tidal earthquakes and a whole bunch of other stuff what's going to happen is this thing is going to shake like a bowl full of jello and you're going to have slip. And you're going to have slip between the rocky crust and the inner mantle. You're also going to have slip between the atmosphere and the surface. And when you have slip between the atmosphere and the surface, what do we call that? Wind. So what we've got then is four angels who are delaying the winds that would naturally be occurring here and saying, hang on, we got to seal our 144,000 guys before we let that thing rip. So then we come to the 144,000. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And then 12,000, and you read through the tribe, you got Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Nathali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. And of course, there's two tribes missing right? Dan is missing. Who else is missing? Ephraim Ephraim is missing. Now, Ephraim is actually there because you've got Manasseh and Joseph. And Joseph is composed of Manasseh and Ephraim. So if you've got Manasseh and Joseph, then the ones who are labeled Joseph here have got to be Ephraim. Now, two things about that. One is Ephraim was in charge of the northern kingdom when they went into apostasy and exile, and they've never come back. Okay? So my surmise here is the reason Ephraim is, is not... Uh, there's two reasons, actually, why Ephraim is not listed. Reason one is I, it could be, since they were in charge when they went into exile, they sort of got their name not listed in the honor roll, as sort of, okay, you're, gonna, you're all going to be there, but we're not going to list your name in the honor roll. That's one possibility. Possibility number two is who has the blessing of Abraham? Right. Joseph. 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 If you read the blessings to the 12 tribes given by Jacob at the end of Genesis it becomes very obvious that Joseph has the blessing of Abraham passed on to him. So it goes Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph. Now, everybody else gets blessed and all that kind of stuff, and Judah gets to be king and so forth. But if you read the blessings that are bestowed upon Joseph, they read very much like the blessings that are bestowed upon Abraham and Isaac. So what, the other reason that it could be Joseph instead of Ephraim is he is coming back as the bearer of that blessing? I don't know. I'm, I'm you know just simply speculating on why you've got Joseph instead of Ephraim because it's an odd listing of tribes. Okay, you don't, don't normally see them listed that way. Yeah. So what was the blessing of over Ephraim when Jacob blessed Ephraim and Manasseh? Manasseh was the older, jo- Ephraim was the younger. And Jacob crossed his hands as he was blessing the two, and he blessed Ephraim with the greater share. Okay? So what? It, and, and he adopted the two boys as his own, which means that Ephraim and Manasseh are, are elevated in the family up to the level of the other 12, okay? And what that effectively means is Joseph gets a double portion. Okay? So, as I say, the, the fact that it's Joseph could be sort of a tweak in the eye by God saying, you guys screwed up, so you ain't going to be in the honor roll, even though you're going to be there. I'm not going to list your name. could be that, or it could be that as Joseph, he is coming back as the bearer of the blessing of Abraham. I don't know. And, of course, Dan is not there, and people speculate it's because Dan was the first tribe that went into apostasy. That's all I know about that. Now, oh, we got more to talk about. Why 144,000? Okay. So many for every nation. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. 144,000, yeah. depending on what version of the Bible you read. If you read the Hebrew Mesoretic text there are 70 nations. If you read the Septuagint, there are 72 nations. And so if you take 72 times 2,000, you get 144,000. Okay? What that means is 1,000 pairs of sealed Hebrews per nation. And, and, And they always go out in pairs. You go back to the gospel, when Yeshua sends his people out, he always sends them out in pairs. So what I'm suggesting to you is it's a thousand pairs of sealed Hebrews to be sent to every nation. So, why is the next question? I mean, if I'm right on the numbers, and I think I am, otherwise I wouldn't have said it. So if I'm right on the numbers, what you got are these... 144,000, 1,000 pairs going to every nation. They're fanning out across the world, going to every you know, tribe and kindred and tongue. What's their job? Logistics team for the Exodus? I think you're right. The comment was logistics team for the Exodus. It says in Scripture, many, many places, especially in the Old Testament, that God at the end of times is going to regather all of his people whom he has scattered and he will not lose a one. And he will take them out of every tribe and every tongue and every nation and he will bring them all back. That's what he did in the Exodus. And what he did in the Exodus, he just sent Moses in and said, Moses, I got all my people gathered up there in one bag. They're all in Egypt. They're right there. Go get them. Well, They aren't all gathered up in one bag anymore. They've been scattered all over the earth for at least 2,800 years. And most of them don't even know who they are. They've been scattered that long. But Scripture says that he will get them all back. And he will bring Ephraim back, and he will bring Judah back, and he'll bring them all back. So what I'm suggesting to you is this 144,000 job is... Basically, they go to each of the nations, and they are the equivalent of Moses. And their job is to round up the Hebrews and get them to safety. <laughs> Hebrews, whether they know it or not. okay? Because remember what God did during the first Exodus. He didn't rapture his people out of there. His people stayed in Egypt during the entire thing. All ten plagues. They lived in Egypt. Occasionally he would move them out of the way up to Goshen, but they still stayed in Egypt. So the pattern is that when God rains plagues down on the world for the purpose of bringing his people out, his people are in the world at that time, but they are protected by a Moses. So I am speculating that that's the job of the 144,000. 1,000 pairs per nation to rally up, all of the Hebrews, whether they know they're Hebrews or not, and keep them safe during what's about to follow. And when I say, by the way, every nation, I'm talking about every biblical nation, because there are originally 70 nations. And by the way, the 70 nations were designated before the earth was divided. So again, God knows where they are. I don't. Okay. So everybody understand what I think the 744,000 are and what they do. You don't have to agree with it if you don't like it, but that's my story. So now, we're in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our Lord God forever and ever. Amen. Don't know who these folks are. I am speculating Remember what happens when Yeshua comes back? He comes back at the head of an army, all clothed in white robes. I'm speculating that these are those guys. Okay. This, is, this is the muster, if you will, where Yeshua is getting his armies clothed in white linen ready to go. And that, that's a guess. I don't know. And if we read on, verse 13... Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robe, and where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know, (laughs) which means, I don't know. (laughs) Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. They shall hunger no more neither thirst any more, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Okay, so these are folks that have come out of the tribulation, and I am assuming, could be wrong, just assuming, that these, these are going to then be the ones that when he rides back on a white horse, Are going to be behind him. All right, so let's get through the seventh seal. Verse 8, or chapter 8. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Okay, so at this point the seventh seal is open. And if what I have been asserting all along is correct, at this point Yeshua has established that he is the one who is the owner of the place. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. See, here is this, this deed to the earth, and we've popped open all the seals, and see it's talking about me. I'm the guy. I'm the one. Okay? So at this point, what happens? First off, you've got seven angels, and each one of them get, chucks up a trumpet, right? So what they're basically doing now is, it's been said in heaven, I'm the king of kings, I'm the Lord of lords, the place is mine. So now we chuck up seven angels with trumpets who are going to announce the coming of the king. So they're standing by there with their motors idling waiting for their waiting to be told to blow the trumpets. In the meantime you have this angel that goes into the golden altar and he scoops up fire and puts it on his censer and he flings the censer full of fire and incense to the earth. Now what I'm suggesting to you is happening here is this goes back to Korah's rebellion, okay? Back in Numbers, in that you remember the people of Israel after the rebellion was quashed, you know the earth opened up, swallowed Korah and everybody else, go bloop and closed back down. After that, the people of Israel rebelled against Moses, saying, "Moses, you're killing too many people." And at that point, God gets more than half ticked at him, and a plague goes out from the throne room. And it starts to go through Israel. And Moses picks up his head and says, Aaron, quick, go grab your censer, grab some fire from the altar, put incense on it, and run and get into the crowd and get between the leading edge of the plague and the rest of the crowd. And that's what Aaron does. He grabs his censer, he puts incense on it, he puts fire on it, and he runs into the crowd and he stands at the leading edge of the plague with his censer and the plague is stopped. Okay? So what I'm suggesting to you is going on here is exactly the same thing. This sensor of fire and incense that's being hurled to the earth is prophylactic. In other words, what it's going to do is it's going to prevent the plague from going forth and consuming the people on the earth. Because if it doesn't, then there's nobody there to hear the trumpets. Please consider becoming a sponsor. Please visit crimsonthread.com slash purpose for an explanation of what we're doing and perhaps to become a sponsor. Thank you.